This October, join But Why Though in support of St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. St. Jude is committed to transforming cancer care with the goal of curing at least 60% of children worldwide with six of the most common forms of cancer by 2030. Uh, with your support, you will help St. Jude stay true to its life-saving mission, finding cures, saving children. Donate to support the treatment of childhood cancer around the world at stjude.org slash though. Again, that's stjude.org slash B-U-T-W-H-Y-T-H-O. And today we're talking about the friendly ghost, Casper. As always, I'm Kate. I'm here with Adrian. Hey, how's it going? And Matt. Hello. And we decided to just do a spooky episode for Halloween that I'm actually not leading. It's Adrian today. Yeah, uh, I think this is like an early fun fact. This is the second year in a row that I've done a spooky episode. Because technically, I did Scooby-Doo last year in October. Oh, yeah, that's so. right. You know, I'm 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 up in my spooky game this this year. Oh wow! And look out! Look out! But also, like the stuff that Kate's going to cover is much scarier. And I'm doing Casper the Friendly Ghost, so it's not even like really all that scary. But it's okay. So I also do feel like we need to point out that our friendly ghost Alex isn't here for this episode. This is true. Um, I, I have later. I have I have later in the show notes that Casper is basically like the ghost boy version of Mister Rogers. So like that tracks that Alex Alex should be here. <laughs> Hi, Alex. I know you're listening. <laughs> so Casper, the 1995 movie, actually just turned 25 years old in May of this year. So pretty good time to do it. And I know no one wants to hear this, but it's actually playing in the draft house this weekend. Um, so if you want to go see <laughs> Casper the Friendly Ghost. You want to up your chances of becoming a ghost. <laughs> you can go to the Austin draft house and go see it in two different locations. Um, yeah. Well, good. <laughs> In so reality, the, please use your best judgment. Don't take this as condoning going to the theaters. Yeah, you know, just do do what you got to do. But also, like, you can see this online, like on YouTube. I'm pretty sure for free. Just see it at home for free. So our intro question: Casper's been around for a very long time. So when did you first meet Casper the Friendly Ghost, Matt? I want to go with probably the 1995 movie. Um, but obviously, I think I've watched some of the cartoons. That we'll probably get into, but outside of that, like I, I would have to say 1995 because I don't know what came first. I know the 95 thing is the large, you know, the big large Casper thing, out of all the years of Casper, which is weird when I think about Casper, um, because not that I don't like Casper. Casper just hasn't been around. <laughs> it's not even like Scooby Doo where I felt like the quality and stuff and Teenage Mutant Turtles that we talked about, kind of the quality of the show just either just that went downwards or just you know ended up not being the demographic or whatever casper i just don't even think he actually existed for like a good last 25 years probably um yeah but. you're not wrong and we'll talk a little bit about that we'll talk about kind of like how long it has been around but um yeah the the tv show that you're probably remembering came after the 1995 then it'd show, probably be so. the 1995 thing then 
yeah, that probably tracks. Uh, Kate? Okay, question. Did Casper do crossovers with Scooby-Doo? I think that they did have one crossover at one point, because this is all coming out around the same time, and they're all kind of doing crossovers everywhere. Okay. Because in my brain, I don't... Because I know Ghoul School isn't Casper. For Scooby-Doo, Ghoul School, which was one of my favorite movies, like, short things that they had for Scooby-Doo. But I could have sworn that the first time I ever saw Casper was on in Scooby-Doo, but it really could have just been me taking the little ghost in Ghoul School and thinking that was Casper retroactively. So I'm going to also go with the 1995 movie, which was one of my favorite things, and I wanted to be Christina Ricci. It <laughs> um, is it- shock to no one, because I also wanted to be her in Adam's family, so. <laughs> this is this is fair. It's some just We're just... You know, hitting the same beats as we hit last year um, at this time. But yeah, so Scooby-Doo meets Casper is is something that popped up in 1987. Um, Scooby-Doo Casper. meets the Boo Brothers. I don't think this is like the ones that we're thinking about, but, you know, maybe. I don't know. I I've do seen know, the Boo Brothers. I've seen the Boo Brothers. I do know, like, basically Casper does a ton of crossovers. And that's why when it comes to, like, meeting him, I'm like, I don't know. Because he was all over the place. At this point, he does more crossovers than his own thing. Yeah, at this point, for sure. Um, I saw Casper in the the cartoon show, like, in, like, the 60s and 70s when it was, like, on Boomerang. Because I used to, like, go to my great-grandma's house at, after school when I was in elementary school sometimes. And I'd watch, like, Boomerang. And sometimes Casper would pop up. I'm like, oh, that's Casper's cool. But it's really the 1995 movie that kind of sticks out more to me. Um, because it's really, really good. And we'll talk about it as a live action that actually works pretty well. And actually did some really cool innovative stuff that we will discuss a little bit later but also uh, we only talk about the 1995 movie and not the sequential movies that come after it that are terrible i watched so many of them i did they too were fun. And, and they're terrible i i don't think they're i don't think they're that bad i don't think they're as bad good as the i don't think they were one. that bad i mean hillary duff is as the good witch she's not bad nobody cares Let's i go. love that movie so much it's all right me and kate will talk no, about it no yeah you're no. you're all right all right, it's fine. It's what fine. will Matt be a curmudgeon about this episode? <laughs> Found out. He's, he's more of the ghostly trio, that's why. That's, that's what it is. Um, you have big Casper energy, Adrian, though, <laughs> I will say. Well, thanks. I, I try my best to be uh, Casper the friendly ghost. I actually like have like a blanket and stuff. I really did love Casper when I was a kid. Um, that movie was really, really good. And I watched like those directed DVD movies because we had them on, on the VHS, so... I watched all three of those series a whole bunch, um, but we'll talk about those a little bit later. We'll jump into some of the production history. So if you have no idea who Casper is, where have you been for the last 80 years, uh, like almost almost, almost 100 years at this point uh, of history of Casper. So Casper, last name McFadden, the friendly ghost what? is... Yeah, they... Yeah, they, he's uh, actually a kid that died. Okay, I wasn't asking that. I was... I was asking about the McFadden piece. Yeah, the McFadden piece comes in in the 1995 movie where they actually give him a last name. So he doesn't have a he doesn't have a last name all the way up until that point. Really? They yeah. shouldn't have done that. That's weird. Yeah. You know? Okay. Okay. Casper, I don't remember McFadden. I don't really remember it either. It just kind of popped up in the thing. I think I don't think they ever say like his name is McFadden. I think they talk about his dad as McFadden, oh, so that would make him yeah, the son of McFadden. Yeah, so. The whole point uh, of the movie is finding Not out. all of us, Matt, remember movies <laughs> shot for shot. I just remember the dancing scene 
and the can I keep you scene. I don't remember the talk about his dad. Who cares I remember about his that, dad? And then I remember his dad on, okay, or her dad on the, the like the little roller coaster thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Casper the Friendly Ghost is the protagonist of the famous studio's theatrical animated cartoon series of the same name. He is a pleasant and personable ghost, but often criticized by his three wicked uncles, the ghostly trio, Fatso, Stinky, and Stretch. One of this is also like one of the oldest franchises I think that we've covered with. But why though? And to kind of preface this kind of history part here, um, as we've talked about in some of these older shows, the '40s through '60s is such like a weird time with like character rights and who owns what at what time and where are things coming on TV when? Um, what is a TV show? Since a lot of this stuff is just like movies that they just break up into like episodes sometimes so it's gonna be a little bit crazy it might get a little bit jumbled but we're gonna work our way through it as best we can so casper was created in the late 1930s by seymour reet and joe aurelio aureliallo aureliallo um aurelio yeah the former devising the idea for the character and the latter providing the illustrations initially intended as the basis of a 1939 children's storybook there was uh, at first little interest in their idea so much so when um, Seymour was away on military service during World War II before the book was even released um, Joe the uh, illustrator sold the rights to the book to Paramount Pictures Famous Studios Animation Division for a total of $175 this was a one time payment and was all he received, missing out on a share of all the revenue earned from films, comics, and merchandising to Matt, come. Matt, do the math. What which was is, that? Which is I, a lot. I know. What was $175 in old-timey money? <laughs> well, I tell you that much. It's not even close to what he would have made, even if just from royalty from that 1995 movie. That's fair, yeah. but I'm curious as to what was the like what was the impact of $175 on this man's I life. I don't know. Either way, it's going to be dumb. Like, he gave up millions and millions for, like, a thousand but I'm very interested on the old-timey money specs, and you're the math man, Matt. Alliteration. <laughs> so what year well, is this again? According to $2013.com, which is an actual website, $175 in 1939 would be $3,272 in today's money. Yeah, I got which, about $3,235 like, in this yeah, other one. Yeah. One, inflation. <laughs> two that sucks yeah it's still like again and we'll talk about how much mo- the much the movie the made because the movie did make a lot of money the ma- merchandising makes a lot of money so he basically lost out a lot of that stuff uh basically like george lucas himself before george lucas is uh around to not and also or... like tony hawk who turned down half a million to basically say i need royalties at the end of the day, you always take percentage yeah. cut and royalties over yeah. one-time checks, no matter get what. Get your merchandising rights. Always. Always get your merchandising Because if it fails, rights. who cares? You, it sucks you may have locked out, but if it doesn't fail, you're set for life. Yeah. Kate, when you get made into a Funko Pop, make sure you maintain your merchandising rights for your anime Funko Pop that will eventually come. I look cute like a Funko. I already got a big head. <laughs> Put it right next to your baby Yoda. <laughs> so the friendly ghost which was the name of the kind of first show that they that they had after the the uh, children's book came out was the first novel tune to feature casper which was released by paramount in 1945 so the book book basically comes out in 1939 early 1940s and then the first animation 
comes out in 1945 with a few differences from the book. In the cartoon, ap- cartoon adaptation, Casper is a cute ghost child with a New York accent who inhabits a haunted house along with a community of adult ghosts who delight in scaring the living. Casper, however, is a nonconformist among ghosts. He would prefer to make friends with people. He packs up his belongings and goes into the world hoping to find friends. So just a super wholesome dude. Um, however, kind of into the 50s, Casper has some cartoons that are just kind of dark. Um, which I think is kind of like the note of a lot of these cartoons coming up in the 1950s. I think we talked about it. I don't remember what episode exactly, but there was that whole kind of backlash with like Hanna-Barbera and then like, like this is like the devil and they're, you're teaching oh. our kids bad things. I'm pretty sure that this was probably a part of a lot of, a lot of that as well. Um, we but, also talked about it with Adam's family. Yeah. I was like, Adam's family was the big one that I remember talking about that. Yeah. And it basically, yeah, lots of the stuff in the 50s is super dark and we'll kind of talk about that um, in one of the But Why Those. But past the animation part, in 1959, Harvey Comics, um, you might know Harvey Comics from Richie Rich, purchased the rights to Casper from Fame's Properties after putting out some comics for the series since 1952. And this is where we get more or less the Casper we know today. There was a previous publication through St. John's Publication that put out comics in 1949, but they weren't nearly as popular as a TV show or what the Harvey Comics put out um, with their production line of the series. So basically, by 1959, Harvey Comics basically owns the rights to Casper. Um, after Cas- or after Harvey bought the rights to Casper and many other famous properties in 1959, so there's a lot of other characters that show up constantly in um, Casper who aren't really as important. You might not even really remember them, but it happens because Harvey purchases the rights from all that from famous properties. They begin broadcasting um, the post- September 1950s theatrical famous shorts, basically the ones that weren't as dark. So they stayed away from all the stuff in the 40s and then just kind of started rebroadcasting the ones from the 50s after they got those rights, kind of kind of in a syndication form to bring back to bring back to popularity. Um, after that, Casper would go on to put on multiple TV shows from 1969, basically on and off all the way up till 2012. There are some gaps, and we'll see that when we start talking about kind of longevity. But basically, it's been on and off more or less since um, 1959 with a small gap. And of course it's not on the air now, but they're trying to bring it back in, in various ways that we'll talk about a little bit later for the films. Numerous Casper cartoons were released on home video by universal studios, which also adapted the friendly ghost into the live action feature um, that we're talking about in 1995, simply just called Casper. And it is, and we'll talk about this, but it's one of the, I think it's like one of like the coolest movies um, and it still holds up really, really well. Even the CGI in it is really good. It's done by um, ILM, which we've covered in the past. So following the 1995 movies release, they released several video games based on the films, like a lot of video games based on the films. Because that's I what played you do in the 90s. Those. That's what you do in the 90s. You, yes. get a, you get a video game or you have a movie, then you make a bunch of video games off of it and hope one of them sticks. Yeah. Um, and a bunch of other games from the other movies are also get made basically from 1995 up until 2008 with the PS2, DS, and Wii. You have some Casper games sprinkled throughout the uh, that decade or so. So that's really all I have for the production history. It's very, very short, mainly because like the dudes sold off their rights as soon as like, they made it. <laughs> and then they kind of just like ran with it. Like in this, you know... Adventure Today, Casper does this. It's a very like straightforward show, but they do cover some kind of 
not I wouldn't say like super heavy topics, but um, lots of kind of wholesome. Uh, after you watch this episode, you have like a life lesson kind of kind of things that are very straightforward. And again, the TV show isn't as popular. The movie's probably the most popular thing, or the movies are the most popular thing that we'll kind of talk about here in a second. So if there's no more questions on the history, we're going to go right into our but why those. But before we do, we have a special message from St. Jude's uh, Children's Hospital and how you can use your fandom for good and fight childhood cancer. Join supporters around the world and raise money for the kids of St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital, where families never receive a bill for treatment, travel, housing, or food, because all a family should worry about is helping their child live. Each year, approximately 16,000 children and teens in the U.S. are diagnosed with cancer. One in five of these children won't survive. St. Jude won't stop until no child dies from cancer. It is estimated that more than 400,000 children worldwide develop cancer each year, and nearly half of them are never diagnosed. St. Jude won't stop until no child dies from cancer. Donate today at stjude.org slash though to join the fight to cure childhood cancer again. That is stjude.org slash though to donate now. All right, so let's get into some but why those. So usually our first but why though is kind of successful, but... Um, it's kind of hard to measure the success of Casper compared to things like, you know, the Adams family or Scooby-Doo or some of these other cartoons that come up around this time. So I would say more the longevity of it is the kind of the more important part because it's kind of had its foot, its ghostly foot in just about everything dating back to 1939. So Casper was created in 1939 as a children's book, but still you know persists as recognizable even in 2020. So um, Casper the Friendly Ghost was featured in a Geico commercial last year with the same animation style from the 1995 movie and like looks basically like the same as the 1995 movie like that animation that CGI isn't too far off um, it was even so popular in the 50s that it kind of had its own knockoffs kind of like we talked about with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles how you get all these other anthropomorphic animal things you had Timmy <laughs> the Timid Ghost I remember that one <laughs> Timmy oh, the Timid Ghost and Homer the Happy Ghost. Uh, I think Homer the Happy Ghost is through Archie Comics. I can't remember what Timmy the Timmy the Timid Ghost is through, but yeah, it had its own knockoffs in the fifties that obviously don't do as well as Casper the Friendly Ghost. Mainly because it's first, a lot like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and things like that. So I remember Timmy the Timid Ghost because he looked like almost like the Doe yeah, Boy yeah, yeah a little bit. Oh, I do know yeah. little Timmy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, now that I see that, I know. That's interesting. Casper was big enough to have knockoffs. I don't remember Homer the Happy Ghost, but I do remember Timmy the Timid Ghost. Yeah, I think Homer the Happy Ghost is probably more of, like, the direct knockoff, where, like, Timmy the Timid Ghost, if I remember right. Because I remember, like, seeing, like, looking through some of, like, the things as I was doing the notes, and it looked like he was just kind of scared of everything and just ran away from everybody. Whereas, like, Casper was like, hey, yes. like, let's be friends kind of thing. Yeah. So we talked about comics um, kind of in the, the production history. So Casper is basically featured in close to 40 series under Harvey Comics alone, dating back to 1952, with the most recent being Casper and the Spectrals in 2009 that sold 6,400 copies, which may not seem like a lot, but for Casper, not, not bad, bad for, for comics. comics. And the you know Casper the Friendly Ghost, who was basically at that time um, not even on TV at that time for the last – you know, 10 years between its last yeah. show and like that comic coming out. So not, not too bad, but 
basically like Casper lives in comics basically all the way up until that 90s movie and like the 90s TV show essentially um, and does pretty well there under that and does a lot of crossovers between Scooby-Doo and you know this and that basically all throughout and I'll put a link to like all the comic series that they were in but it's just a whole bunch of them um, kind of doing the comic thing of lots of crossovers especially in that early time where no one cares about rights of characters and you can just throw whoever you want together in a crossover good times <laughs> for the television that now they're just in a crossover because they're owned by the <laughs> exactly same yeah so now there's not like a merchandising thing it's just like who do we want to put together in this thing which doesn't seem as fun because they don't get any like big scandals on like who's using my characters <laughs> um so for the television shows there are five of them so maddie's fun day funnies is where it kind of got its big start in 1949 through 1961 and that was kind of just more shorts than anything the new casper show in 1963 through 1970 casper and the angels very short-lived 1979 to 1980 the spooktacular new adventures of casper I would like to point out that Casper and the Angels sounds like Casper had a biker gang. Yeah, a little bit, right? Like, he sounds like he had, like, a biker <laughs> gang, and he wasn't out being nice to people. Um, yep. But I think it was, like, if I remember right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, like, some, he's it's, like, the Jetsons kind of thing. I don't really understand, like, what was the point of this one. I'm just going to run with the image of Casper leading a biker gang. I mean, he's le- he's basically That's leading funny. a space biker gang, if you look at some of these pictures. So, that, that tracks. Uh, yeah, so the spectacular new adventures of Casper, the 19, 1996 to 1998. That's basically the direct spinoff of the movies. I watched that. Yeah, that's the one that most of us yes. watched. Um, yep. It has yep. the same voice actor as the uh, Casper in the 1995 movie. So, very kind of close to home in how that works. Casper Scare School in 2009 through 2012. This show wasn't too bad. It, it was. It's underrated. Yeah. I don't mind it. Yeah, yeah I've watched this one. Matt, you like something that came after the movie? <laughs> huh? No, I did like, but I've watched both of those Casper shows. I actually like Casper, just Casper hasn't been around. Yeah, uh, like, yeah Casper, um, Casper Scare School was good because it was like a little bit different, right? It like it put them in like the scare, yeah. the scare school so you can do like more things than him just having like walkie it adventures. It reminds me of the ghoul school. Yeah. The, the one that Scooby-Doo goes to. Yeah, exactly. So, this is also 2012. Cartoons hadn't started to get terrible by then <laughs> oh yet. Oh, gosh. Yeah, um, this is like... Uh... Look at Scooby... Look at, look at all those. Um, but I do remember I've seen some of the new Casper cartoon show. Obviously, just bits and pieces, you know, growing up. Um, I haven't watched that too much. But obviously, the two main ones, I've definitely seen all of that. And I did like The Scare School. And it's definitely underrated for, for being different of what it did. But it also didn't last. Yeah, it didn't last long. Um, but you know, I liked it. I thought it was super cute. Like they were a bunch of like little. It was like watching Hotel Transylvania as a kid. Maybe probably why I like Hotel yes. Transylvania so much because it has like that same kind of like. Also, an underrated movie. Very good for the spooky season. Exactly. Um, yeah, pretty good. Precious cool. I loved it. It was really good. Future. We really don't have anything on the plate right now, but it is owned by DreamWorks. Uh, pretty recently, so we could have some series at some point. Because DreamWorks does really well with some of these series. So hopefully, I don't know, maybe we get a movie. Maybe we get a series. I'd, I'd be down for sure. I'd take a series. I don't know if I'd want another movie. Yeah. I'd take a series. Yeah, true. Have Christina Ricci come back as a mom. That'd be kind of cool. Wait, the implications yeah, of Christina Ricci coming back for... That'd be weird, right? Um, That'd be kind of weird. Yeah, never mind. Yeah, it might be I a little weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I take it back. Put it back in the box. <laughs> so for the films, there are a bunch, mainly because the animation side of it 
So there are 55 theatrical cartoons through Famous Studios. Um, and that was kind of the bulk of what they put on TV. Basically just like long episodes of the thing. That's kind of just what they did back in the day. They called them theatrical, theatrical cartoons. There were some direct-to-video films. Casper's Haunted House in 2000. And a sure. television film based on Casper's uh, Scare School in 2006. So... Actually exactly. That one was really good. I was like, I actually, I was like, really like the movie uh, Scare School. This is the most excited I've heard Matt in a long time, and I'm very, I'm very excited for it, and I'm glad it was Casper. <laughs> That's spookiness weird. bonds everybody. Spookiness bonds. I... No, I've actually, like I said, it's not that I never liked Casper. We just don't have any Casper. We have them in the Geico commercial. They haven't had enough. They haven't done enough Casper's to ruin Casper Christmas for me. Christmas was fun too. I liked that. Yeah, I think you're right there, Matt. Like they're, and I'm okay with it not being back, and like like being super kind of out there because again, like you're right, like it hasn't been ruined by anything. That's why when I they haven't ran into the ground. That's why I brought up the episode <laughs> in general because I was watching football, you know, a couple Sundays ago, and I the Geico commercial popped up, and I was like, is that Casper? They put Casper in a Geico commercial, and it looks like the Casper from 1995. <laughs> really? Okay. Um, so it still has like, that relevance at least to be in a Geico commercial. Someone, someone there is getting royalties or someone's getting paid, but it's not the creators. We know that much at least. Yeah, it's not the They're creators. They're also probably went to dead war. now. I think they are actually. Now I'm thinking about that. Yeah. <laughs> so. I mean, they have families. True. So you have also the live action. So you have the theatrical <laughs> film, the 1995 movie. Again, more on this when we get into the RM, uh, but why those? And then we have the direct-to-video movies that happened because they didn't have faith in the sequel of Casper. Casper, a spirited beginning in 1999. Especially supposed to be like a pre... That yeah, is terrible. supposed to be a prequel to the 1995 movie. This is the one with it's James Earl Jones and Polly Shore good. as it goes. This Read that sentence. The one with James Earl Jones and Polly Shore. Come on. You don't want that? It was fun. Why was it direct-to-video? Because well, that's all they did back then. It didn't... Ba- direct-to-video only has a bad connotation oh. in, like, yep. the mid to late 2000s. This movie was it terrible. It was not. I no, nah, it was good. I like I liked uh, James Earl Jones in this one, and uh, I thought they were good. I thought Paul Shore was going to do it, too. Um, <clears throat> and also, like, you know, technically, Tokyo Drip was directed directed movies, and it's... Hold on, just to let you know, Casper: A Spirit of Beginning has a zero. It has on five. Tomatoes. Like that's it has, not it has fair. Five <laughs> I at that. that did not. No, 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 no. no. Kate's gonna go no, rectify that fair. right now. Has a zero. <laughs> Kate's gonna go give it a hundred percent right now. I am. I'm, time for me to write a retrospective on Casper: A Spirit of Beginning. It also has a forty-one percent audience score. The movie is terrible. It is not terrible. Why is it, it a is zero? Terrible. Oh my god. <laughs> so he has like five reviews or something like that. I don't think he has a... No, I like four of them say quote not available because that's how bad it was i couldn't even give you a quote you got review bombed <laughs> that's, that's what happened stop review bombing <laughs> casper so we have casper meets wendy in 1998 that's the second directed video movie and this is the one with also no hillary duff is amazing yeah no no hillary duff is wendy's a good witch that one was good um, Cas- it also has a 17% on that Rotten Tomatoes. But how many people have actually no, seen it? No, you don't get to do this. Because every time we talk about something from a long time ago that has Rotten Tomatoes scores that are bad, you say it doesn't count because this came out way before. Oh, my bad. It has a 40% I'm not going to listen to Harleen Ellen from the Chicago Tribune who reviewed this in 2019. 
when it came out in 1998. Yeah. Hold on. This one from 2002, which is literally only three years after the it's movie. still after. Gives it's it a 0. 0.5. Matt used to do this whole don't do retroactive things. Hold on. Three years? We're going with three years? Unless it fits you. Casper and Wendy was dope. The, the witches were so. Cool. These were both. These were both terrible. No. Again, the witches were so. Rotten cool. Tomatoes has like spoken. six reviews on it. I think for for that one too. There's like no. And they're all terrible. Apparently, it's one no. out of six. No. Yeah, it's fine. Hey, somebody you know, gave that a zero point five. Despite reviews, Casper meets Wendy won the Children's Programming Electric Visual Effects Award, and Hilary Duff was nominated for the Young Actress Award. So. Yeah, because everybody liked Hilary Duff at the time. No, they didn't. Was, no. She wasn't even in anything. Hillary Duff wasn't anything at this time. That's a lie. God. Are we going to go look up Hillary Duff's filmography now? <laughs> I am looking. I am looking up Hillary Duff's filmography right Lizzie now. Lizzie McGuire hasn't come out yet. Lizzie McGuire comes out in two thousand and one. You know what? Hillary yeah. Duff, so she has a no. full year of Lizzie McGuire and then goes right into this, this movie. movie. Came out in nineteen ninety eight, Matt. Wait. Okay. You're well, dumb. <laughs> Even <laughs> it came out in 1998. This movie was so good, it gave her her own series. That's not how that works. exactly how it works. exactly how that works. This is her first movie, actually. Yeah, so Hillary Duff was big at the time. No, Matt, sit down. <laughs> she Whatever. was like four. Still I love 17 it when Matt's wrong, and he just digs his heel in. Both work. these movies average uh, a nine, uh, eight point five on rotten tomatoes i'm remembering the slander of wendy the good witch when we make it to something that you like and you say we can't count the store the score because it was old <laughs> i i've actually seen both these movies and both these movies are terrible <laughs> well you know what matt you're terrible next point adrian next point. <laughs> uh, so now we have the video games uh there's not a lot here because they don't make a whole lot of them um i haven't played any of them Maybe y'all have played some, but you have Casper, based on the 1995 movie, Casper, A Spirited Beginning Activity Center, which is basically based on the second movie that comes out for the live action, but more of like a learning-based game where you, we do like puzzles and things like that. Uh, Casper, Spirit Dimensions 2001 is a, a 3D game, the first 3D game for Casper. Oh, I skipped one, sorry. Casper friends around the world 2000 a 2d platformer casper and the ghostly trio in 2007 and then casper scare school in 2009 based off of the tv show uh so i played casper the 1995 game um it was it was you know basically what you expect from a movie game it, it existed um that's about it yeah um i do remember casper spirit um dimensions but I don't. Re- I remember it being released, but I don't think I ever played it. But that's the only other one that like actually like rings a bell of me being reminded of the game. But I did play the 1995 game, and that's just kind of like I played a movie game. That's you played a movie game special. in the 90s. <laughs> yeah, it was like it. It happened. It was on every single. <laughs> Went to Blockbuster, picked it up. <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, Kate, did you play any of these games? I think? played the movie game. Yeah, it's the movie game. Yeah, my cousin had it. I don't remember much of it at all, but yeah. Yeah, I don't remember. It's like playing Aladdin or playing Lion King or playing Home Alone or just they all the same. Yeah, I mean, I remember the cover. I probably saw the cover at like, you know, Hollywood Video or something like that or, you know, some non-existent game renting place. 
Um, but I, I don't play any of the games, and probably for a good reason, because there are not that many of them, not as popular as, say, like, you know, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle games that are much more popular by this time. Uh, musicals. There's actually a few musicals with Yay! Casper. Uh, so, most recently, Casper the Musical in 2001 is but is basically just a reimagined version of a musical from 1999 that was in the West End. I couldn't really find too many videos for this. I found like some like very choppy videos um, from the 1999 musical at the West End. It looks bad. Not good. Not good. Looks looks really bad. But Casper the Friendly Musical. See the play on words there? I think that's cute. <laughs> in 2019 of last year. Uh, doesn't look too bad. It looks like a pretty quality production out in Cincinnati. And I left a link to this in the show notes. Doesn't look too bad. Wait, so the Casper musical in West End, the like renowned yeah, exactly. play area was Butt Cheeks. And the Cincinnati musical was great. Cincinnati. Yeah, I mean, this one actually looks like an actual production. I think, I mean, I'll, I'll, like I said, it's like video from 1990 like video recording from 1999 so take that as you will because you know camcorders are barely a thing at that point but the production value of Casper the Friendly Musical looks much much higher uh than what was on London's West End <laughs> exactly yeah uh, you go Cincinnati you go <laughs> but but not too bad I don't I think that they're supposed to keep touring be the rest of this year but obviously you know covid stopped all that from from going on but it doesn't look too bad casper has a musical i think it's kind of cool and which will be important and one of my fun facts later on so moving on from the longevity we're going to talk about what probably a lot of you guys are here for okay yo this is this is this is this is pretty big stage value this is right look at it yeah i clicked i clicked on the video it will be included in the show notes at butwhythepodcast.com uh damn Okay. You go, I'm proud of Cincinnati. <laughs> Look at Are them. Way better than the office's Demon Barber Fleet Street. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Which is what I expected when I clicked on that link. Yeah, that's more the West End one, actually. <laughs> 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 um, so, let's talk about the 1995 movie. And then me and Kate will probably talk a little bit about the sequels while Matt says they're bad. Uh <laughs> So, they are. Cas- I don't like it. Casper 1995 actually made $289.9 million in 1995 on a $55 million budget. A lot of this was the CGI, but a lot of this was also the marketing. So $13 million in the marketing. But this makes it the eighth highest grossing movie that year behind <laughs> seven. Batman Forever, Pocahontas, GoldenEye, Apollo 13, Toy Story, and Die Hard with a Vengeance with his Die Hard 3, which made $366 million. So all of those eight movies were pretty relatively co- close. And it beat out Waterworld and Jumanji for the top ten in 1995. Damn, it beat Jumanji? Yeah. Like, also, 1995. Jumanji, I don't think. Yeah, once 1995. Jumanji, I think, ends up getting better yeah. with time versus, like, people, more people watch it versus when it first came out. Um which I think is the inverse of Waterworld. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the very inverse um, of Waterworld. Um, the funny thing I always forget is that Batman Forever came out in 1995 and not 1997. I always think it came out in why? 1997. I don't know why. It's just always in my head at 1997. Your brain in numbers is weird. 
But also, these are actually all pretty good movies yeah. for the most part. So, like, but the biggest thing that, to take away from all of this is the fact that you can be the eighth highest grossing movie at, for less than $300 million because today you wouldn't even probably crack the top 25. Yeah. Not wrong. Uh, but, I mean, 1995 is not a bad, you know, bad time for movies so i think that kind of really speaks to how well this does um and really like how, how well this does given the fact that there's really nothing outside of a very old tv show and some comics yeah. going on but it was able to pull out you know beating things that we now consider pretty good I'm probably i'm certain that there are people who thought this was a new ip they're probably i would uh, yeah i, would I wouldn't be surprised, be surprised there not for sure I think the main thing about this is when we obviously might get more into, but this movie hits almost every demographic yeah, very well. Definitely. Yeah, it does. So even if it's whether it's new IP, old IP, or whatever, the the, the demographic, especially if you look at the other ones, like you're not taking your kids to seven. <laughs> definitely yeah. not. Probably not even taking them to Apollo 13 or even Waterworld or Die Hard. But then you're not taking your you're definitely not going on date night to Toy Story probably. Yeah. You know, yeah. versus um yeah, I mean and this does come out come out in oh. May, so it comes out end of May. Um It it feels like Adam's family for me. Yeah. Like it hits like that nice kinda like you said, Matt, like it hits everybody. It's like the right amount of spooky for your kids, the right amount of funny for the adults. It just works. Yeah, it works really well. And I also think that um having the actors it has in it makes it really good for at least like the trailer appeal. So producer yeah. Steven Spielberg was planning on a film adaptation of Catch with a Friendly Ghost. He saw an episode of the television show series Brooklyn Bridge directed by Brad uh, Silberling and saw potential in his work. And he recruited him to direct Casper. Um, mini fun fact here. Apparently, J.J. Abrams did an uncredited rewrite of the script. Uh, so J.J. Abrams coming in to rewrite things even back in the 1995 days. And he did it with <laughs> Casper. Um, the screenplay basically gave a backstory of Casper being a ghost of Casper McFadden, a boy who died of pneumonia at 12 through, though some of the comics, particularly in the 1960s, portrayed him as just a ghost with ghost parents. So this is the first time that we actually get a actual backstory of Casper as an actual child and not just like a dude who has like ghost parents. Okay, not gonna. I never believed the ghost through ghost. No, parents I like the ghost through ghost parents thing because it. That was no, dumb. it's cool because it goes with like the scare school and the ghoul school, and you just have like these like monsters. That means things. ghosts have sex, Kate. And no, I I like the concept <laughs> of I like the ghost with ghost parents because I really like that like. Here's a world of monsters with werewolves and ghosts and vampires, and they all do their own thing. It's like Hotel Transylvania. There are ghost kids with ghost parents there. It just happens, Matt. It's fantasy. <laughs> you don't need explanations. Uh, yeah, so you so you do have your your ghost parents there, um, and or don't you don't have the ghost parents anymore, and you basically just have our first actual thing, not not anything of the conspiracy theories that basically happened since the 1940s. And the cast itself is pretty solid, like I said before. And I think this is most likely due to Spielberg's attachment with Universal. Um, I don't know if they pulled this kind of these actors at the time without kind of that attachment. Um, but Casper, with a great voiceover from Malachi Pearson. Malachi. Malachi. Sorry, that looks like Malachi. English tells me <laughs> that looks like Malachi. Hey, she. Uh, I watch anime. Uh, <laughs> 
I play fantasy. It's everything Kai. Um, but he does so well in this that he actually does the voiceover work for Casper in the TV show uh, and does a really, really great job. Question. Yes. Is Malachi Pearson just the voice or is he also the person is, they have yeah, play him in the movie? He's not the little boy. They've got another little boy for that. Got yeah, well, because he, he's doing the voiceover work as actor. <laughs> but he's a teen, isn't he? Well, he does. Well, like I say, like little boy, because he's like younger, right? But uh, at the time, you know, what is he? Like 14? 14? Something like okay, that. Okay, I got it. I got it. Yeah. Um, and they got like a younger kid to play the actual thing, but he does all the voice yeah. work for it. Cat is played by Christina Ricci. Um, I'm pretty sure Kate has a whole laundry list of. Things that Christina Ricci I is in. I wanted to be her. Uh, but most, I loved her so much. She basically like murders like the the child acting game. Of course, Wednesday from the Adams Family, plus lots of other stuff into her adult career. Lots of stuff that I haven't seen because a lot of it's like not up my alley. But I know it's probably also, up Kate's. <laughs> fun fact: the ballroom that they use in Casper is the same ballroom in um, the Backstreet Boys uh, music video. See, I was going to put that in there, but I figured that you were just going to bring it up anyway. Yeah. So I'm glad I didn't put it. I was gonna, I was literally putting it as a fun fact that I was going to save until the very end in case you didn't bring it up, but I figured you were going to bring that up. Everybody. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's that's reach. That's reach. That's what that is. Uh, Dr. James Harvey, played by Bill Pullman. Of course, Spaceballs, Independence Day, a bunch of horror stuff. Who doesn't know who Bill Pullman is? Yeah. Stinky, played by Joe. Um, I always. Napoti. What? Isn't it Napoti? Huh? Joe Napoti? No, 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 no. There's Stretch. I don't know if. It... Oh, I was. That is I was not the. I was like. I was reading Stretch. Continue. I was like, how did you get an N N sound out of Alaska? <laughs> uh, so Stinky, played by Joe Alaski, has lots of voiceover work um, prior to his death. Uh, most notably, Grandpa Pickles in the Rugrats uh, does a bunch of Looney Tunes voiceover work. Does the voiceover for Richard Nixon in Forrest Gump, what I thought was interesting. I had to put that one in there. I got shot in the ass. <laughs> exactly. I had to put that one in there for sure. Fatso, played by uh, Brad Garrett. That's basically Raymond's brother from yes. uh, Raymond's brother's Robert, and everybody loves Raymond, and a bunch of voiceover work like you know that man's voice like the back of your pants he does own sh- he's done a lot of his own sitcom yeah. show too that are weird because they nobody likes them but they last eight seasons but they're not bad brad garrett is just a man with a very good voice who is also very tall so it makes him a very good character actor yeah he does he does really good work and, and does pretty good there stretch played by joe niptow um doesn't have a lot of voiceover work that i could like find that would be notable because he died pretty young but Steven Spielberg did handpick him to be that voice, so that kind of speaks to kind of how well he does. Kerrigan, played by Kathy Moriarty. Um, Raging Bull, Tales from the Crypts. I'm pretty sure Kate's going to tell you a whole bunch of stuff here. I- no, I love Kathy Moriarty. She's phenomenal. It's because of that annoying freaking voice. Yeah, it's I hate so her bad. <laughs> but I've never, no matter what I've watched her in, I haven't been able to separate her from the mean lady in Casper. Like, ever. But she's, like, I think she's in Punk. She's in Analyze That. Um, I don't know where else. But I just know that she terrified me growing up. And for the longest time, I confused her with Jennifer Tilly. I don't know why I did that, but it happened. That's fair. Uh, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> you all... Kerrigan, Kerrigan was cool. Yeah. And scary. I'm, I'm glad she got thrown off the, the building. Quit moving, Kate. No. 
You can hear all of that stuff. <laughs> she looks at her audio. <laughs> you have to edit this, so you're on your own. You just... In a... <laughs> um, Dibs, played by Eric Idle. He's the actor actor and one of the main writers on Monty Python. Um, Vic, Vic Garrett Ratliff Henson. Um, kind of a big thing for him. He plays Guy Jermaine in the Mighty Duck movies, like as a child actor, and then doesn't really do anything else. Uh, there is also a bunch of ca- uh, cameos in this movie that I didn't remember until I went back and rewatched it. Um, Don Navallo, Dan Aykroyd, Fred Rogers, Clint Eastwood, Rodney Dangerfield, Mel Gibson, John Kaiser, who's the Crypt Keeper's voice, also all make cameos in this movie. Um, so you get a lot of people in this movie that have fairly successful careers, but also like if you're pulling, you know, Fred Rogers, Dan Aykroyd, Clint Eastwood, Roger Dagerfield, Mel Gibson back before he was crazy. Um, I think that's pretty pretty good for your 1995 movie that is coming out of basically nowhere, essentially. Uh, so the reception, it comes with mixed reviews from critics who praise the film for its faithfulness to the source material, specifically to Casper's portrayal, visual effects, music score, and performances, but was criticized for its dark story and humor. But again, I think that speaks to like why it works so well for adults. Cause if you, you know, take your thing and it's like all oh, happy go lucky about a you know kid who had like pneumonia, um, probably doesn't land quite as well, but the humor in it is kind of dark. Uh, a lot of the times, and so is the story. So it kind of works for that adult thing. But you also have like that kind of happy-go-lucky ending at the very end of it at all. I remember, I remember rewatching this. I think I watched it about like every Halloween. So I watched it like last year, and uh, watching it was like every time I get to like the mid to like by that time that second act hits, I'm like, oh, this is this is real dark. Yeah, it gets, <laughs> it's, yeah, because <clears throat> I do. I was gonna say because I did. I remember watching this as a kid. It was like, oh yeah, cool, cool. Even though there's like, you could tell there was definitely some dark things. But then I remember rewatching it as I got older. But oh, they definitely had a lot of dark things. Yeah, very, very, very dark. And we'll talk about a little bit. Even, even like in, like the early stuff was pretty dark. But even this movie is pretty dark. And we'll talk about that more in our next. But why though? Um, but the in terms of the reception, the CGI effects were considered cutting edge at the time. And the performances of Pullman and Ricci were praised, especially considering that in the scenes where the Harveys are interacting with ghosts, Pullman and Ricci were actually just acting with nothing but like mannequins and tennis balls used for animators' references, which is a large part of the movie, obviously. That's really good. And because of that, the CGI, like a lot of I am like a lot of things that Industrial Lights Magic does, we've covered them um, this year. The CGI holds up super well. So if you go back and rewatch this movie, the CGI is pretty good. Um, we've covered this. We've talked about this before. The first full CGI character was the stained glass man in young Sherlock Holmes. But Casper 1995 is considered to have the first CGI character that's in a leading role, meaning like the majority of it is focused on them. This was the first feature-length live-action film with a digitally created 3D cgi character that had almost 40 minutes of film time and it had a record number of on-screen shots over 350 with a digital character making a movie in which animated ghosts uh, have to interact with human actors proved to be super difficult and complex requiring the equivalent equivalent of 19 million floppy disks of cgi images 
So one gigabyte. Yeah, but you know, back then, I mean, <laughs> 19, 19 million floppy disks. That's a lot of floppy disks. Yeah, but we have, we've learned before those floppy disks only held like not even a one image exactly. worth of data. Uh, in fact, CGI was only, and this isn't like a knock on Jurassic Park at all, but I know that at, at, the, at the same time, Jurassic Park's like really heralded for their use of CGI dinosaurs, but CGI was only used in 40 shots during Jurassic Park in Casper, the friendly ghost and the three spectral uncles appear in far more scenes requiring 250 CGI sequences compared to like the 40 yeah. of Jurassic Park. Obviously, this is more focused on ghosts, whereas Jurassic Park is more focused kind of on, like, the humans running away from dinosaurs that they let out. Yeah, because I, I think that that's a really good distinction, too, because like, as much as I know people like Harold Jurassic Park for its CG, I herald it for its practical effects. Yeah. The fact of, of them being able to actually, like, create these things are, like, watching this movie, watching Casper even today, it is still good. Like, that CG actually holds. It holds better than, like, the prequels. Yeah, I totally, I totally agree there. So, um, I've included a YouTube clip uh, in the show notes of kind of like that ending dancing scene and kind of how that looks because you get basically a lot of this. You get you know the, the uh, a lot of the CGI and a lot of the practical effects right inside of that, and it holds up pretty well. Like it's not bad. Um, special effects artists spent two years on this project, altering many scenes frame by frame. In fact, a six a ninety second chat between Casper and Richie took almost eight months to create. Uh, with its complexities. Again, this is 1995. We don't know a whole lot about CGI. ILM is basically kind of leading the way in a lot of this stuff, and they're just kind of killing it with things, taking what they learned from Jurassic Park and kind of applying it to um, Casper and things after. So, any, any final thoughts on the movie and how great it is? I know we've talked about it a bunch already, but it's pretty good. It holds up really, really well. I just love it. A yeah, whole it bunch. Good. Yeah, that's all I was going to basically reiterate. Of. It actually holds up really well. Yeah, yeah. and... I, I think that there are a lot... I was just going to say, I think there are a lot of movies... I think the 90s and the early 90s, there were a lot of movies that were spooky and, like, kind of in that all-ages realm, and I think this kind of, like, seals that for me. So, I don't know. I, I loved it. I loved it. Still has a huge place in my heart. Yeah, and we'll talk a little bit about kind of its heavier notes um, in our last but why, though. But I do, like, have to mention that this stuff kind of got a little bit dark at times. Uh, I think that needs to be, like, referenced because while this isn't anything compared to, like, the movies and franchises that Kate has covered in the past, Casper's gotten pretty dark. And the movie is kind of tame in comparison to kind of some of the old stuff. So in the first 1995, 1945 cartoon... Casper just wants to meet new friends, as we talked about before. You know, he's living with all, like, the adult ghosts. He just wants to make friends. However, the animal he meets, a rooster, a mole, a cat, a mouse named Herman, um, and a group of hens, they all take a horrified look at him, scream, a ghost, and run off in the other direction. Distraught, Casper unsuccessfully attempts to commit suicide, apparently forgetting that he's already dead, by lying down on a railroad track before an oncoming train, before he meets two children named Bonnie and Johnny, who he becomes friends with. The children's mother, apparently widowed and impoverished, at first is frightened of Casper, but welcomes him into the family after he unintentionally frightens off a greedy landlord who, unwilling to own a haunted house, tears up the mortgage and gives her the house outright. The short ends with the mother kissing Bonnie and Johnny and Casper as she sends them off to school with Casper wearing clothing as if he were a living child. 
So one, I thought the Casper, the I guess commit suicide. Yeah, because I thought he does it a little bit in the movie, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah, he does it a little bit in the movie, if I remember correctly, because that is something they do quite a bit. When you actually call it, when you actually call it, they don't call it that. Yeah, he just be like, I'm, you know, he just like said laying down on a train track, and then remembers he's a ghost. We just yeah, and that was gonna be like my next reference. Like they reference that stuff a lot. Like they reference that this dude is like not alive a lot. Like this dude is just trying to be a nice person, and they just they always hit those notes that he's like a he's he's not a living Depressed yeah it's it, it's pretty crazy. But then it just like keeps on going because Casper appeared in two more subsequent cartoons. There's a good booze tonight, and a haunting will go. Um, there's a good booze tonight differs wildly from the later cartoons, although the themes of Casper trying to find a friend and failing in those attempts before succeeding occurs in later cartoons. The tone of this short turns remarkably dark when a hunter and his dogs appear chasing the little fox cub named Ferdy that Casper has befriended. Although Casper scares the hunter and dogs away, Casper discovers Ferdy dead after a harrowing chase escape. Happily, however, <laughs> Ferdy returns as a ghost to join Casper in, as his friend in the afterlife. So we're just... We're just killing little foxes. I remember that. Well, killing it's little one fo- of the scary. It's <laughs> the scary that. thing about about Cause, cause that's funny is if you want your protagonist who is a ghost to be happy, you then have to have him the things he loves die so they can be with him. Yeah. Well, that's so funny because you get all his friends that you get meet end up just being dead animals or yeah whatever. Um, which I think also I don't know if you um get into it but don't the don't yes. the uncles end up like murdering people from scaring things and we get some of that yeah we well. get a lot of that um yeah especially like in the older older stuff too and even like hinted at in like the 1995 yeah. movies like those dudes are possessing yeah, and killing people i'm pretty sure like almost almost like certainly yes. um and, and even with that like the 1995 movie does have those darker tones so the newspaper clippings in the movie state that mr mcfadden uh casper's dad claimed to be uh, haunted by a ghost of his dead son, which the audience knows is true. Yet, uh, whether it's true or not, it basically impacts his mental health, leading to his institutionalization. So, like, he drove his dad crazy because he just kept showing up because he was dead and he has, doesn't have memories, essentially, of, like, his former life. So, not as, like, happy-go-lucky as you think when you first watch the movie. There's some kind of darker stuff in there. Um, but... To round us out, there are lots of wholesome messages to be talked about, but there are some wholesome messages and some tough topics even back back in the day. So I think Scooby-Doo does a lot of what we talked about in episode 21 and a lot of what uh, Adam's family does is basically you get those topics that are kind of hard to talk about. But when you package it in kind of like this ghostly form, it goes a little bit better. Uh, and we probably don't even get Scooby-Doo without Casper because Casper precedes Scooby-Doo. Adam's family kind of runs up around that same time. Um, and but they both do a lot of the same things. So the majority of the cartoons, even dating back to the '60s, were essentially Casper just being a friendly dude, despite being a ghost and people being scared of him uh, due to stereotypes and misconceptions. And he's basically like the ghost version kid of Mister Rogers, where he just wants everyone to be happy and everybody love everybody. So a couple of like the synopsis of a few episodes that happened back in the early days of Casper. Casper's new friend, the Weeping Willow, is tired of being teased by the other trees. And the little ghost decides to help him. Okay, just combat and bullying. That's our that's our guy Casper. Casper's lookalike, big but muscular cousin Powerhouse, drops by for a visit, and they team up to scare the ghostly trio 
into ending their bullying ways. Um, one of the later shows, Capsper has had enough of seeing Thatch bully his friends, so he sprays him with a perfume he found in his uncle's magic ornament box or ointment box, thinking that it'll make Thatch friendly. This is from the Scare School. I don't know if you remember this episode. I do. From the Scare School thing, <clears throat> but even in that, Casper deals with like bullying, even though he's living at a he's in a place where everyone's like kind of weird anyway. But Casper just kind of just does those things. Basically throughout, it's basically just him sees a problem, sees someone who wants to help. Like he's helped like aliens, he's helped like animals, he's helped basically whoever is in need. Casper's kind of there. So I did know, like obviously we're doing wholesome. The bullying, obviously, if you meant, has always been a big theme. I thought through Casper because of him being nice, and then the way they portray all the uncles yeah. in general. Because the whole point is to scare and think, and basically, essentially, whether it be scare and murder or basically bullying, it you know depends on where you draw the line at that point, you know, uh, <clears throat> for ghosts. But that's always been a giant theme for Casper, at least what I've seen. Yeah, definitely, yeah. it's definitely that kind of theme of being bigger than what you kind of are. You know, kind of not being. He could have just been a scary ghost if he wanted to be, and people would have been, you know, um, would have went along with that. But he kind of going against the grain, I think, is a kind of good way to put that. Like you can be a ghost, but you don't have to be possessing people and making them fall off buildings. So, and you get a little bit of this death and grieving, especially the nineteen ninety five movie of dealing with the realities of that, because the reality of it for a twelve year old ghost to exist, a child has to die. Um, human Casper died for playing outside on his sled for too long, and his father was so heartbroken that he spent his life savings constructing a machine to bring his son back to life. Uh, Cat in the movie is dealing with the, uh, you know, the death of her parents and for, you know, a time her father um, inside of the movie. There's, like, just lots of, like, death themes in that movie, but I think it, I was trying to, like, for looking for a way to kind of antiquate this a little bit better, but I found this article from Ann Cohen from Refinery29.com, and she says, the can I keep you seen, that's like the one like where uh, Christina Ricci is sleeping and, and things like that, is a genuinely sad scene. We're seeing the raw potential of a life cut too short. A young man who smirks could make hearts flutter and who could pull off lines like, I told you I was a good dancer. His mother's white lace dress, which Cat wears as a costume, is a reminder, that, reminder of a wedding that he'll never get to have and which her mother will never get to attend. At the time, Dr. Harvey is learning to let go of his own dashed hopes and expectations of of a long uh, long life lived with his beloved wife by his side. James Horner's haunting, beautiful piano lullaby invokes just the right amount of nostalgia, the tragic cherry of this melancholy Sunday. In a sense, Casper stands as a powerful childhood introduction into the complex realities of death and the need to go to let go of loved ones. Even if, to echo those swoon-worthy four words, we keep their memories with us forever. So, that is great. And that's probably one of the things why, obviously, I know we joked about it and did whatever, but why I have liked Casper, because it is a great, whether you like it or not, it is yeah. a great thing when an introduction to death. And just whether grieving or moving on yeah. and the realities that people die. And sadly, like using a child, realizing that not every person sees their whole entire life. And obviously, like I said, we see it all in this movie but as we talked about before, while it is dark, it is just kind of to show you in the realities of life of death happens. And essentially you have to do something, whether it be, like he said, of moving on or just whatever, accepting yeah. that's what it is. Yeah. Anything to add, Kate, add there, Kate, before we get into some fun facts? 
I mean, grief as a topic in film and TV is probably one of my favorite things, and it's become more so, especially in the world that's 2020. Um, but I am a strong believer, and we kind of covered a little bit in our Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark episode, um, that kids need to be exposed to these kinds of things because they need to understand what's coming because this is something that kind of hit can hit you out of nowhere. So presenting a piece of medium or a piece of media that can help them process those feelings because it may be something that people in their family had never dealt with or you end up with parents who don't believe their kid can actually handle the process of grieving and so they try to shield them from it. And instead of shielding them from it, it just keeps them from actually having that cathartic process. So I think when when you look at grief presented this way, and if you when you look at Casper, it it's a very good tool for people to use. Um, and then I, yeah, that's all I have to say. I mean, I I just really like it when things cover grief. I mean, I write about it all the time. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. No, I yeah, mean, I I. No, I was just saying, like, just to, like, echo the thing, like, like I said, like, dealing, as much as dealing with grief, just dealing with death is a very, I guess, whether it's right or wrong, it's fascinating to me, like, how people deal with death, and especially when it comes to exposure of children to death, and just because, I mean, I think I've talked about before, of like, I've obviously experienced plenty of death, and people just dying and leaving and stuff, um, and everything else on this podcast through all the shows, and so it's just one of those, how, you know, children, like I said, you don't have to go over the top, I guess, in the cruelties but you know death should be something that is exposed to children and i guess that's why i have always liked casper as i mentioned before it's just it's it's just something that happens all the time yeah i think it's also something a little bit different than say like scooby-doo or even like the adams family does Uh, right definitely hitting those topics much more poignantly and it's kind of easier to do when you have a ghost as your main character compared to kind of the things that scooby-doo and even the adams family or things of that kind of genre of spooky light are dealing with uh yeah so let's get into some fun facts and we'll get out of here because we're almost um about that time so some quick fun facts harvey comics actually sued columbia pictures in 1987 the comic publisher sued the distribution of ghostbusters arguing that the movie's logo looked too similar to one of the characters fatso of the ghostly trio uh one of cashmere's uncles Peaceful also thought that he was the inspiration behind the character Slimer. However, the court ruled against Harvey Comics, signed the copyright was out of date, and the fact that there are limited ways to draw a cartoon ghost. So I always liked, I'm pretty sure they do have crossovers, I thought, with Ghostbusters, but I always wondered what that was like. Yeah. Imagine them trying to like... Yeah, what would they do? Yeah. Yeah, what would they do? I could have sworn there was Casper versus Ghostbusters things. Just got dark, gritty, like Casper versus Ghostbusters. I'd be down for that. Yeah. Like, make it happen. So, in kind of the before we get the 1995 movie, there is the one alternate and slightly darker theory that was portrayed and first floated by The Simpsons in 1991 episode Three Men and a Comic Book. Bart and Lisa speculate that Casper is the ghost of Richie Rich, another Harvey Comics icon. The two bear obviously a strong resemblance. Lisa believes that his realization of how hollow the pursuit of money really is caused Luke Ritchie to take his own life. Other observers have speculated that Ritchie's parents killed their son for the insurance money. So. Yep. 
I remember that one. Uh, but also, to go back to the Ghostbusters thing, I remember, it's because, uh, what's his name, Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, yeah he does, yeah, because they scared Dan Aykroyd in the That was That was show. what yeah. it was, yeah. So, kind of going back to the musical part, there was actually a big musical no- number cut from the movie. Casper's uncles were supposed to break into a song titled, Lucky Enough to Be a Ghost, the song that was about the trio's depression and difficulties of being a ghost. The scene, however, was cut because it was too oh, expensive. Wow. Yeah. Christina Ricci doesn't think that the movie made sense. Uh, after the movie came out, Ricci was asked about her time in Casper, and she had a shocking response. She said, looking back, the mo- that movie sucked. It made no sense. I'm supposed to fall in love with a ghost? How does that work? He's like a cartoon. Well, part of him. Uh, I imagine like this happened when she was like still young <laughs> and still like a kid, but I just like <laughs> the fact that she's like, yeah, the movie sucked. But it also was like the eighth highest grossing movie of like that, that year. That's but, funny. you know, whatever. And then to kind of round us out on a more positive note, I guess, uh, there was actually a theme park ride, the Casper the Casper World at Universal Studios Hollywood, which launched alongside the movie, ran for four months, was an impressive area that included recreations of the Whipstaff Mansion, various pieces of memorabilia for the movie, and several stations showcasing the then-impressive tech behind making the movie. Obviously, this is a very groundbreaking movie in terms of CGI, so apparently they had a thing we can go look and see how the movie magic was actually made because the movie set was the match is actually just a movie set wasn't an actual yeah mansion that's really cool uh all right yeah so that's really all i got for us today like 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 we said at the very top of the episode casper really hasn't done a whole lot over the years but the things that he has done i i think are important especially like matt and kate said like really really beautifully about the um themes of death and those realities so i think that's kind of at least for me kind of why this uh, series matters and given that it's with dreamworks i think dreamworks could really put on a good series for casper and kind of give it that you know light again to cover those things that we've talked about and those things because i can't really think of a lot of children's tv shows that hit these notes but also are accessible for adults to watch to kind of have those notes as well um final thoughts kate no i mean i kind of talked about it right i've i i I liked this episode because i I definitely learned more about casper that was outside of just the 1995 movie and wendy because wendy's amazing um (laughs) but no i think casper is a a really good just i don't know property i guess i i would love to see them do stuff with it again uh whether it's live action or animated i think bringing it back would be a really good thing uh, Matt. Yeah. Um. Obviously, as we mentioned before, I actually really enjoyed Casper growing up. I've, I've been a fan of Casper. Maybe the, the biggest fan of Casper ever. But um, no, it's just you know they haven't. Just Casper hasn't been around as I grew up more so than anything else. Of why just probably not brought up in anything else. And I mean, I would excited if they brought something back. I'm not preferably wanting a live action. I'm tired of just some of these live actions, to be honest. But I think just, you know, animated stuff and probably more of a series I think you could do a lot. I said I did enjoy the two, you know, even the the most recent of Scare School. Um, I said I enjoy the character and it, I do enjoy the realities of basically what it means for this character. Like, basically, to be a friend, you die. Um, so, but no, that'd, that'd be interesting if we get more stuff for Casper as long as we don't end up, you know, running it into the ground by 700 different things. Yeah, and, I, and you mentioned that at the top of the show and I think I... 
you know, I think that's a good place to end. Like, Casper still matters because it hasn't been running to the ground yet, and we're not tired of seeing it. It's why when you see it in the Kaiko commercial, you're like, oh, yeah, you know, there's Casper. It's why when you go watch the 1995 movie, you don't have a whole lot of things, at least in my opinion, that came after it that you're like, oh, that, you know, everything else after this point was, like, trash because you still have the cartoon. You still have – well, you have both the cartoons, and some people would say the two direct-to-video direct movies that are still – yeah. Nobody on Rotten Tomatoes, <laughs> but some people. Some people outside of those five people who reviewed it on Rotten Tomatoes, but I'm going to rely on Kate, or our Rotten Tomatoes critic, to come save the two Casper movies <laughs> from having terrible reviews. But that's all I have for Casper. Uh, thanks for letting me do another spooky episode, and be ready for more spooky stuff to come this month from Kate. Yep. Um, as oh, oh, actually, we should plug it here, because I know you're going to hear the outro here, but currently the but why though poll for episode that we have to do because we're we're running the campaign for saint jude is at muppets if you're listening right now and you want us to record an episode on either vin diesel west side story cats or the muppets head on over to stjude.org slash but why though and you get to choose which one at the end of the campaign is when we will take the winner so we'll be running this whole time right now the muppets are beating everybody with vin diesel right behind them thank you vin the person who donated 15 dollars to uh the vin diesel episode i appreciate you very much (laughs) as long as as long as it's not cats please not cats please go vote (laughs) just know i appreciate your vote (laughs) but not (laughs) but i do like the muppets and i hope we get to talk about the 90s muppets because they are i like how like that just matt just like resuscitated and jumped out his chair letting us know that he likes the 90s muppets (laughs) i like the muppets and then disney buys the muppets and the muppets do you know who that didn't happen with casper let's go (laughs) um as always you can find us at but why though pc on all of our social media and you can find me at oh my myth randier on twitter adrian yeah you can find me on twitter at super 93 s-u-p-e-r-r-u-i-z 93 i will always trust dreamworks over disney when it comes to my animation properties that's fair not wrong Make sure you head to stjude.org slash though and donate to St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Doing so, you'll be able to make me sing a karaoke song. Make me do a TikTok dance. Make me do a mystery challenge from the St. Jude Play Live challenge box. And if we hit our goal of $5,000, you'll even get a chance to choose what color I dye my hair. So again, head on over to stjude.org slash B-U-T-W-H-Y-T-H-O.